Hello Garth, so we are back with the Bring Your Own Bible series and today we continue with Genesis and we're jumping in in chapter 9 just after the, I don't know what their surname was, but the Noahs. Yeah, very good, the Noahites. The Noahites came out of the ark and Noah had a bit too much to drink, right? Yes, yeah, it's interesting. It says Noah was a man of the soil. So it's chapter 9 verse 20, the story kicks off. Um, and it could be that he was the first man to plant a vineyard. Mm. Uh, some of the translations have it like that. And then it says when he drank some of the wine that came from the vineyard, he became drunk and he lay uncovered in his tent. So he was naked in his own tent. And um, remember the setting of the story. Who's telling it? Moses is telling it to the people in the desert. And this part in particular is very important. Yeah. So I'm going to jump for us from that story in chapter 9 through chapter 10 into chapter 11 uh, with mm-hmm. the Tower of Babel and then starting with Abraham's story. Okay. And just keep the context in mind where it's going. It's not separate stories. It's piece of a pu- a pieces of a puzzle that mm. Moses is building for the people and also for us. So the story is are purposefully chosen Um, and out of all the stories that he could have told us about Noah and the family after the flood this one is picked out Mm. so it's really really purposeful so it starts off in verse 18 saying um, that the sons of Noah was Shem, Ham and Japheth and then in brackets Ham was the father of Canaan so why is he telling them that because they're on their way to the promised land which is the land of Canaan the Mm. land um, of flowing with milk and honey so he's very purposefully picking this guy out, the son of uh, Ham. Mm. And then he tells the story. He says, uh, Noah planted a vineyard, got drunk from the produce of it, and was lying naked in his tent. And then um, Ham discovered him. So, oh, dad's naked. And then he ran out of the tent, calling the other two brothers, uh, Shem and Japheth, and say, come and have a look. Dad's lying naked in the tent. He made fun of him. But the other two sons had the respect and the honor towards dad to walk backwards carrying a a blanket and covered him over, covered his shame. Um, And Ham obviously obviously didn't have that respect for his dad. Mm. And then when Noah awoke and he found out uh, what Ham did, what his attitude was, that he wanted to make fun of dad, uh, he um, called a curse on him. But sure. interesting, it says, verse 24, 25, he said, Cursed be Canaan. Canaan. He cursed his son. Um, the lowest of slaves will he be to his brothers. Um, he also said, Blessed be the Lord God of Shem. Uh, may Canaan be the slave of Shem, uh, enforcing that. And mm. the same with Japheth as well. So, uh, may Canaan be his slave. So that then takes us into the genealogy. So imagine just you're in the desert with Moses listening to this story. What is it telling you? All of these generations later, God is bringing us, the children of Abraham, the Israelites. He's bringing us into this land and he's saying, you're going to take over the land of Canaan. So for them, it's saying, listen, God is not randomly picking a plot of land for you. He called Abraham and he said, you're going to take this piece of land. Uh, not just because I want to give it to you, but also because these guys will be punished for the sin in which they have walked ever since the time that Ham laughed at his dad being yeah. naked. Sure. 
It's a generational story it's yeah. telling us. And it is interesting when you when you uh, put it in the context, as you've said in the beginning, because I think yeah. we do sometimes forget to read it like that. We mm. read it kind of separate events. We talk about the Noah and his ark and those things. But when you, when you just what you said at the end there, uh, this is Moses telling a story mm. to the people on their way to the promised land. It makes a makes a big difference to how, it, you, how yeah. you read it. Sounds very different in their ears. Yeah. Uh, Canaan. Oh, wait, I know that name. Yeah. Oh, isn't that where we're going? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's very different. Yeah. Um, and then the same continues in chapter 10 because now it's giving us the genealogy of these three sons, the table of nations it's called, because out of these three sons, the earth will be populated. Yeah. But again, uh, it starts off with the descendants of the uh, of Japheth, and then Ham gets a lot of detail, and um, we'll find that uh, we've actually had a, a recording of this at the beginning yep. of this series. So maybe just go and listen, particularly to this genealogy, because I'm not going to break it down in that much detail. Yeah. Um, let's, Valdu, can we put a link somewhere yes. just to this one? I'll add it in. Um, so check for the link over there. Go listen to the whole thing if you want to get the details of the genealogy. But just again, the Hamites is centered in the middle of this genealogy. And in that, what does it tell them? They'll hear the word Mizraim, which in many of the translations is translated. I think in yours over there, it said Egypt, yes. right? In um, verse 6, the sons of Ham is Cush, Egypt. Mizraim, Put, and Canaan. So in modern times, Cush will be the territory of Assyria and Babylonia. Mizraim will be Egypt, Put will be Libya, North Africa, mm. and Canaan is then obviously the Canaanites. So in their ears, they're hearing, oh, the territory where we come from, Egypt, is from Ham's descendants. The territory where we're going to is from Ham's descendants, the Canaanites. The territory where our forefather Abraham is coming from from Ham descendants. It's that Shinar Valley over there. Sure. And he's setting the whole scene for the next chapter coming because then he's saying um, uh, in verse, just want to find the verse over there. In verse 9, he's speaking about Nimrod. He says, the first centers of his kingdom were Babylon, Erech, Akkad, Kalne, in Shinar. That, um, Shinar is that valley between the Euphrates mm. and the Tigris River. Um, and then very specifically, verse, um, 17, oh, verse 18, 19 says, Later the Canaanite clan scattered, and the borders of Canaan reached from Sidon to Gerar, as far as Gaza, and then towards Sodom, Gomorrah, Adma, Zeboim, as far as Lasha. That's the territory that God in chapter 11 and onwards is going to say, I'm going to give this to you, Abraham. Mm. This is your territory. So the setting that he's giving with that genealogy is saying to the nation, listen, you are in the midst of the Hamite people. Mm -hmm. This is Ham's people where you are living in. I'm going to place you right in the middle of them. Because if you would put a pin in the middle all the way from Libya to Babylonia, it really is Israel. Sure. He's saying, I'm putting you as a light, a nation that is a light on a hill for all these people right in the middle. Yeah. Then he's dropping over to the story in chapter 11, the Tower of Babel, a story that many of us know. It says, Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As men moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled over there. Just again, it's between the Euphrates and the Tigris River. They said to each other, Come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. And then, very interesting, 
they used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar, which will make this a waterproof tower yeah. effectively. So sometime after the flood, um, one of the Jewish historians actually says they made a tower that was waterproof so that they could go above the flood waters if ever again the earth will be flooded sure. and they'll be protected inside this waterproof tower. Yeah. Whether that was the intent or not, over here it says the intent is let's make a name for ourselves on the face of the earth. Yeah. Now, shortly in the story of Abraham, we're going to read for the first time about a place called Salem, uh, which we believe is Jerusalem, right? Yeah. And for the rest of Scripture, these two cities will be played off all throughout the story. Mm. Um, Abraham comes a stone's throw from this place, the Tower of Babel. You can still find its foundations. Maybe we'll put a link That'll of be a great. photograph mm. um, of the foundations of the Tower of Babel uh, that you can somehow you can find it on Google Images. Yeah. Now. Abraham comes a stone's throw from there. The story kicks off, and God brings him into this promised land, of which the capital will be Jerusalem, city of peace. And the contrast between the two will be played off right into the book of Revelation, when finally the new Jerusalem, God's city, where God is the light in the midst of it, he illuminates the city of peace. Mm. Um, before that comes down from heaven, Babel, Babylon, needs to be dealt with that tower needs to fall down to the ground mm. so all throughout scripture and the prophecies as well it's an image of man's pride man's yeah. achievement man wants to make a tower so that he will be known and seen as the highest and the greatest of all yeah. and it must be filled with the wealth of the earth in contrast jerusalem um, has a hill and all throughout the scripture it says um, let's go up to the house of the Lord, the Psalms of a saint. And the highest place in Jerusalem is Zion. Mm. And on Zion is the temple of God. So God is lifted up. If you look at Jerusalem, then God is the highest. Yeah. He's the highest in the midst, the light of the city. Over here, man is the highest. Mm. So it's really, it's this Contrast. imagery all throughout the scripture. Sure. But what I found fin uh, fascinating in this particular short story, I don't know if you've ever uh, hanged on it a bit, Valdu. Verse 6, the Lord said, If as one they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Hmm. What a statement for God to make. What do you yeah. think of that? Yeah, I mean, I have thought about it <laughs> quite hey. a bit because it's... Uh, I think it's it's twofold in many ways because it does speak to w how he's created us that yes. all things are possible mm. uh, but at the same time it cannot be in our pride it cannot yes. be in our you know at the cost of god being the pinnacle of it all yes and, and i don't see it as god saying being scared of being dethroned mm -mm. but he knows the sin that it can bring um, yeah. when it's people worshiping themselves essentially yeah um so it's only impossible in the sense that God would then come and say, all right, come, let's yeah. give them a, a, a different languages and let's scatter them. Yeah. So it's not impossible. Uh, nothing is impossible because we can undo God. Yeah. Um, he's the one that can put a stop to anything that we want to do. Yeah. But he's making a very powerful statement. He says, listen, Valdu, if the two of you guys will be in unity, yeah. if you as a church will be in unity, 
nothing will be impossible. Yeah. What Absolutely. Incredible statement. Yeah. I think, and that's the thing, he makes it possible for us that nothing is impossible if it's within the right boundaries. Yes, otherwise he will come and put yeah. a stop to it. Yeah. What is the, um, uh, that refrain throughout the book of, um, when we say spriyaka, what is Proverbs. it? Proverbs. It says, uh, God lifts up the humble, yeah. but he puts down the pride. God yeah. opposes the proud, but yeah. he gives grace to the humble. All of those scriptures, all the time. Mm. If we humble ourselves in unity before God, wow, we can achieve great things for the glory of His name. Mm. Yeah. Then there's a touch point from here then all the way to the book of Acts chapter 2 that we have to speak about. Because God comes and gives different languages. Rob actually preached about this um, just a couple of weeks ago. God comes and gives different languages which separates people into all these different nations on the face of the earth. Because they don't understand one another. Yeah. And then in Acts chapter 2, when the Spirit of God is poured out, one of the great evidences of it, um, results of it, is God unifies them by allowing them to speak different languages of the gospel. And that brings them together as a church of 3,000 on that first day. Mm. People all across the empire are united in the Spirit of God. Um, so these two actually is very beautiful yeah it's uh, like a rede redeeming picture almost. yes a unification again yeah. it says now there's a kingdom on the face of the earth again the church yeah and this kingdom is united by a spirit that yeah. allows us to have a common understanding that sure. bridges even national divides yeah yeah or cultural divides yeah. so from there they stopped they didn't build the tower anymore they scattered all across the face of the earth and then comes the story of Abraham, which takes place, as I said, just a stone's throw from where this started, this Tower of Babel. This is the account of Shem. Then it gives us the genealogy. Um, if you want to sort of follow from the previous genealogy, in chapter 10, verse 24, we read the sons of Shem as um, Arpaxad, as the father of Shelah, and Shelah, the father of Eber. And then in... Um, chapter 11 it then starts at our 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 puck says i don't even know how to say that <laughs> and it follows it all the way through to abraham um now take note again and we're going to stop the story over there verse 27 this is the account of terah terah which is then the father of abraham terah became the father of abraham nor and haran and haran became the father of lot uh, while his father terah was still alive haran died in ur um, of the Chaldeans in the land of his birth. And Abram and Nahor both married. And funny enough, Terah, after his son's death, moved up the Euphrates River close to where Assyria is, or close to Nineveh, to Haran, with two R's. Um, and over there, God spoke then to Abram and said to him, go to a land that I will show you. So the journey actually started with Terah away from the territory of Babylon mm. up to Assyria. Yeah, and we'll start the story over there, the well-known story of Abraham and Sarah getting a child at such an old age. Thank you so much, Garth. Really insightful and yeah, just great to get the context of these chapters within the bigger <laughs> picture. I think it's really important, if anything, to, to see these kind of stories and accounts, how they fit into the greater picture yes. of Scripture. And it does yeah. give the rest of Scripture so much more weight, mm. in my opinion, at least. Thank you very much. Thank you.